0: Y'all, and welcome back to another edition of the Playmakers Corner podcast. This is episode 59. And thanks to a request from some people over at Bayfield High School, I am going to be analyzing, much as Coach V did, a league here in Colorado football. This is the 2A Southwest League, which includes Pagosa Springs, Lamar, La Junta, Bayfield, and Alamosa for last year's season who I will do a recap of. However, I am mainly going to be covering Alamosa, Bayfield, Montezuma, Cortez, Pagosa Springs, and Salida, or Salida. And those are the teams that are playing in the league this year. As for last year, we had Pagosa Springs come out on top of this league, or at least during the regular season, going 4-0 in league play and 5-1 overall. Lamar was actually the state runner-ups, and they are playing in the Tri-Peaks League this year on the 2A level. They went 7-2, eventually losing to the 2A champions, Eaton High School. Then you have La Hunta, who went 1-2 in this league last year, overall 2-3. Bayfield, who went 0-4 overall, 0-2 in league, and Alamosa, who went 0-3, but 1-4 overall so we have some slight shuffling this year and what i'm going to do first is i'm going to go through these teams just in alphabetical order and talk about people that they are losing this year and talk about some concerns obviously for these programs and then venture forward and talk about things to be optimistic about in the next segment however starting off with alamosa high school you know they had a pretty rough season last year not gonna lie They ended up going one and four, which is obviously not ideal. And they played against Woodland Park, losing 21 to 13. So not a bad loss there. However, against someone in their very league, Pagosa Springs, they ended up losing 46 to six, which is obviously not what you want to be happening. And, you know, that came via a, a great rushing performance on on the side of pagosa springs with tressler and a coin who i'll be talking about later combining for over 300 yards meanwhile alamosa really didn't get anything going on offense they scored a i mean obviously they scored a single touchdown that was a passing touchdown from casey jones to uh kane Absmeyer. but other than that they didn't even rush for 50 total yards and casey took a lot of tough sacks in this game and overall, it was just a slaughter at the hands of, you know, the Pagosa Springs running game. So Alamosa has some things to shore up on the defensive side of the ball. And that's something that you could tell from this game, as well as others on their schedule. I'll finish going through the schedule and then talk about some concerns and reasons to look at it. They then faced La Junta, who at the time was in their league, losing 42-12 to in that game as well. Once again, it was one of those games... Well, actually, in this game, they had a little bit more rushing at the hands of Dante Gonzalez, who was their leading rusher last year. And I'll talk a little bit about him in the next segment. But they just couldn't stop the other other team. LaHunta had Anthony Torres run for 143 yards. Luke Garner, who was a freshman, went for 74 yards, who was their quarterback as well. So they just couldn't buy tackles for loss or stops in the run game for the life of them in games that they lost last year. However, they did win one game against Alameda High School in Lakewood. But, you know, Alameda went 0-5 against very poor competition, in my opinion. They got pieced up by Berthoud, Severance, De Evelyn, Alamosa, and Inglewood. Losing all of these games by, actually, their closest game was Alamosa, or De Evelyn I should say, where they only lost by 45 points. So, you know, I mean, I'm glad that they got to win a single game last year. But you shouldn't be too confident walking away from that i think that it's more of a morale boost that you saw kind of a closer game and you know some things starting to mesh against this lamar team who you know like i said eventually went on to be the state runner-ups where you know they only lost by 17 points to you know the the second best team in all of 2a last year and in that game you know once again they kind of got ran all over however You had Gonzalez who actually had a really solid run game and that's saying something against this Lamar team that had some decent guys up front. So I expect this Gonzalez junior kid to be a huge part of their future. Casey Jones also was only a sophomore last year. So those are some things to kind of like about how last year went and maybe some things to build off of. But, you know, finishing up talking about Alamosa and who they're losing is they're actually losing two of their top three tacklers in cash muller and kane Absmeyer who is also the third leading receiver on this team and collected two touchdowns so on the weaker side of the ball they are losing you know the talent that they did have over on that side of the ball which is obviously never a good thing they got outscored overall by 43 points this last year so they have to get more consistency on the offensive side of the ball and they have to get you know they have to get mean on that defensive line and maybe some development over on the line side of things can help out with that and i'll talk a little bit more about that in the future but those are who they are losing and that is how their last season went that was alamosa mean moose which i kind of really mess with this uh this logo that they have as well as the you know, just the mean moose. It's a very unique name. So I really like that. But anyways, moving forward into Bayfield High School. So they all, like I said, they went 0-4 last year and obviously struggled. The only reason that they were slightly above Alamosa was because they only lost one last game. However, a lot of games ended up getting canceled and the season was shortened, as you know, due to COVID. So, You know, there's still a little bit of a question mark as to where this Bayfield team is going to be this next year. Now, I think that they had a much tougher schedule, in my opinion, than Alamosa did. Obviously, that Alameda game really helps out Alamosa. And, you know, all these teams that Bayfield played, they had some studs on their team. I'm looking at this Delta High School who had Nolan Bynum at quarterback for them last year, who, you know, his junior year, he was electric. And I think he ended up going to Western, if I'm not mistaken. So you had a playoff team in Delta. You then go to Lamar and you get pieced up 41 to seven, which I think that even if you are facing these teams, you have to produce a little bit more than what Bayfield did. But, you know, they still face the state runner up, Pagosa Springs, who won their conference and went to the playoffs. They faced a Florence team. Who also went to the playoffs. So this Bayfield schedule for as short as it was was really stiff and definitely not exactly how you how you imagine your season going, right? Not only do they go 0-4 in this and they get outscored by 120 points in this four-game run, which is ridiculous in my opinion. You have got to figure it out on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe numbers were stiff because of COVID. I could imagine something like that, especially impacting a two-way school like Bayfield. I could see something like that, but that's kind of inexcusable regardless of numbers or the competition that you're facing. You got to come out and you got to play against whoever you're playing against. This doesn't help that they actually are losing their leading rusher, Cade Carlson, who was kind of the only guy who, you know, I think really was putting in work this last year i would say but even then he was only averaging three and a half yards per carry on the ground through 40 carries so that has got to be improved and then their leading receiver crosby edwards who actually put up a pretty decent stat line this past year catching for 326 yards on 16 receptions and all three of the quarterbacks touchdowns that they threw that is going to also hurt to lose so losing running back one and losing wide receiver one is going to kind of take some getting used to granted i think that there are some guys who can fill those holes but i'll talk about that a little bit like i said in the next segment where i talk about the upside of these teams but continuing on what they did lose this past year they also lost their leading tackler nicholas johnson who recorded 11 more total tackles than anyone else and he had six more solo tackles than anyone else. So he really flew around. Was also their leading guy in tackles for loss, which is something that they really badly need, I think. So that hurts. As well as a an offensive tackle in Zach McSweeney, Carter Bayer, and most importantly, Hunter Bales, who is 6'5", 210 pounds. They're losing some pretty decent size on this line and is something to maybe be a little bit concerned about as far as you know filling those gaps on the offensive line and just losing quite a bit of size because there are some teams who have some big dudes in this conference and you got to be ready to compete against those especially those who have been slept on in the past such as Montezuma Cortez high school who initially don't exactly jump off the page and impress you with a 2 and 4 record last year however it is worth noting that both montezuma cortez as well as salida competed in the 3a spring bracket as opposed to the 2a fall bracket so there i think their conference was one of the toughest conferences or leagues i should say in all of football they played in the same league as glenwood springs who went seven and one and was a contender for state they played against they had to go against basalt rifle who ended up winning the spring championship aspen who is a playoff team coleridge and well steamboat springs you know they they took care of business there but that's still a very difficult schedule to go up against and it's you know one higher so maybe with the shortened offseason that they have that they kind of pick up the momentum that they had playing against these higher competition teams especially ones that we've talked about in our previews and then they bring it to that 2A Southwest level and potentially dominate. However, we're not here to talk about their road to success. We're here to talk about things to be a little bit concerned about. And the first thing that jumps off the page is they are losing Ty Blackmer, who was an outstanding quarterback, I would say, completing 52% of his passes over a thousand yards and a TD to INT ratio of six to one, throwing 12 touchdowns and two interceptions, which is just Absurd quarterback play, first off, especially on this level of football. He does exactly what you want a guy to do by you know pushing it down the field and not can not committing a lot of turnovers. And I would say that they did have to pass quite a bit in these games because they did fall behind. And you know, that's that's one thing that Montezuma has going for him is that I think that they have potential to still have an offense. However, you know, on this schedule, they, they were able to put up some decent point amounts, but losing that quarterback really hurts. Losing their running back one in Kyler Krabb, who, you know, while he wasn't crazy, running for over 100 yards in, uh, in limited action, that still hurts to be losing that number one. Losing Corey Likes, who caught for 239 yards and had three receiving touchdowns, that hurts. So they're losing... You know, their QB one, their RB one, and their wide receiver one all on the offensive side of the ball. You hate to see that, especially, you know, when I say lose, by the way, I mean graduate. Um, There's no free agency here, but, you know, they did graduate quite a bit of talent, honestly, and that's going to be really tough to recover from, especially moving leagues. But, you know, I mean... Look, on this on this 2A level especially, I think Scheme is more important than anything. So if you can find somebody to fill those holes and, you know, maybe even a better running back or maybe some better offensive weapons, then you might have a serious chance here at this Southwest League. And let's just kind of talk about what happened last year and how did they get those two wins. So they beat Steamboat Springs, you know, 12-3 Steamboat Springs. Not an impressive school this last year at this uh, 3A level. And, you know, their season ended on a forfeit, which you hate to see. But then they go against Glenwood Springs and they lose 27 to 12, which isn't ideal. Obviously, you don't want to you don't want to lose games. However, to be kind of close and even have, you know, the game tied heading into halftime is pretty freaking massive for a Glenwood Springs team who I would say had a legitimate shot at contending in that 3A spring bracket. So that's nothing to hang your head about, I don't think, for, you know, this for this montezuma cortez team then they lose 40 to 28 to aspen who did get dispatched in the playoffs but were a playoff team nonetheless then you lose 34 to 16 to cole ridge who came out and captured a 500 record and then they took care of business against the team they needed to take care of business of and that was salida high school where they whooped up on 42 to 6 Before eventually ending their season with a 38-12 loss to Basalt, who I think is you know one of the many contenders we talked about on that level in 3A or no, it was 2A I think I don't remember. But anyways, go just go listen to the episodes, why don't you? But you know, losing all that offensive talent on top of switching into a whole lot of new competition with Salida being the only familiar face, that's not exactly what you want to be judging your next year off of. I think. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Montezuma does this year. And I'm cautiously optimistic, but we'll talk a little bit about why following the rest of this segment. And coming up, we're going to talk about Picosa Springs High School, who, as I mentioned earlier, did win this league last year, going 4-0 in league play and overall 5-1. And, you know, putting together a pretty solid season, I'd say. Taking care of business against a Granby team in Middle Park, winning 44-0 against Alamosa, winning 46-6. Beating Bayfield, 42-14. Even beating Lamar, the state runner-ups, 22-8. Taking care of business against La 35 35-13. Before losing in the opening round of the playoffs to Eaton, 41-7. Eaton, of course, who ended up being the state champions, and in this game you know pagosa just did not get a lot going and you know that's saying something considering that they are losing some pretty good offensive talent this year they are losing grant a who accounted for 13 touchdowns last year and close to 900 yards 432 yards through the air and another 439 on the ground so they're losing a dual threat there they're losing their lead running back dylan tressler who actually ran for over a thousand yards last year on 118 carries and also six tds so you you lose a lot of scoring basically there um, from a team that was able to kind of do whatever they wanted to do on the offensive side of the ball so losing your qb1 and your running back one obviously concern i brought it up also with bayfield losing a lot of the same things as well as Montezuma Cortez losing a lot of same, uh, basically the exact same setup. But this is a way more productive Pagosa Springs High School offensive weapons that they're losing with Mitch Lewis, who had 330 yards and two TDs as the lead receiver and who is also their leader in tackles for loss with seven tackles for loss. So losing Mitch Lewis really hurts. Losing Grant a coin while he did throw five interceptions, which is way too many, in my opinion, it's still tough to be losing that many snaps, that many yards and that many touchdowns, you know, on that offensive side of the ball. I think Dylan Tressler is one of the hardest losses to try and recover from a guy who averaged 8.9 yards per carry and, you know, was able to crack off 60 plus 50 plus 70 plus yard runs and also ran for over 100 yards in basically every single game that they had last season. So losing all that really hurts. They also lose their leading interceptor, Aiden O'Donnell, who racked up four interceptions. And they also lose this lineman, Evan Raymond, who is six foot one, 270 pounds. I think losing that size is really going to hurt them. And I'll expand on why heading into, you know, when I go to the next segment. But overall, Pagosa Springs High School, they had a really solid chance to maybe make some noise last year but they are just losing so many snaps this year. And I don't know how the next guy up, I believe it's Aaron Acoin might step up at that quarterback position. I'm not entirely sure, but they are going to need a lot more production from the people who are filling in. Cause they are just, like I said, they're losing so much. And when you put up uh, as weak of a score as you do, and as weak of an effort as you do against Eaton, who really just bullied them in the trenches, it does make you concerned for what's going to happen in 2A just because there are some very large teams up front. And that's just the reality of it. So Pagosa Springs, they're going to have to reload. Hopefully they can find some size on that offensive line and find a, a solid dual threat quarterback. I don't think that you just stumble across a Grant every day. But if you have somebody that can do half of what he does in the run game and just turns the ball over significantly less, then that really helps. But also Dylan Tressler. We'll see. We'll see if they'll be able to replace that. I haven't really heard too much. I noticed that Tommy Barker was kind of their next like running back who is able to kind of produce. But like I said, I just don't I don't know what's happening inside of that locker room over there. So that'll certainly be something to look at. And to wrap up this segment, we have last and actually least of all these teams in salida high school who put up an abysmal performance this last season in that 3a spring season i have no idea whether playing in the fall might have worked out for them better or if they needed to stay in 2a would have worked out better but holy cow they struggled and even that doesn't really do it justice on how they did in this schedule. I'm not really gonna go into too much detail as to what happened inside the games because there's really not a lot to talk about. Against Basalt, they lose 55-0. Coleridge, they lose 29-0. Steamboat Springs, who everyone else was able to dispatch in this conference if they played them. 38-0. Rifles, 63-6. Montezuma Cornet Cortez, 42-6. Glenwood Springs, 49-0. I know that they are playing up. I know that that is stiff competition, but holy crap. When you only score 12 points and opposing teams combined for 276 and you walk away without a single win all season, you should be ashamed. You should be ashamed and you need to do some soul searching and you better be working this off season. And that's to all these players that they're returning, not to mention some of the guys that, you know, and what does that say about, you know, some of the guys that they lost and some people that, that that are graduating. This is abysmal. From any team, and has got to be probably one of the worst looks of any Colorado football team. And that leads to hopefully a great redemption story this fall in the 2A Southwest League. Hopefully, they have some better luck against 2A competition. We'll talk about their upcoming schedule, of course. But holy cow, this is just freaking horrible. Their quarterbacks last year combined for eight interceptions. And I don't think either one of them threw a single touchdown. Yeah, that it was all rushing touchdowns last year, which saying all isn't really leading in the right way because there was a whole two touchdowns last year and they didn't get any uh, extra point conversions. I also don't know if those touchdowns might've come in garbage time against teams' backups and whatnot. So just really, they have everything to work on heading into this shortened off season, mind you. Hopefully they kind of get into a rhythm there but they do lose river Homebeck, who was their leading tackler and one of the largest players on this team from last year you know i believe he was 205 pounds yeah and he was six foot four so losing that kind of guy who i mean jeez louise you just can't help but wonder what what exactly is coming back and what to be optimistic about i also couldn't find too much information on their line so i have no idea the size of this light offensive line and i have no idea if any of those these guys from last year who are all kind of starters as a young team how much of a step forward they're going to take with this shortened offseason and you know i i feel kind of bad talking down on them like this but the the coaches and the players they 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 had to have figured something out, and I don't know if they got a new coach at some point or something like that. Maybe that happened. I don't know the full story to be 100% fair to Slida, but you cannot play the same football you did last year if you want to compete in this this league where I think everyone is getting better, including hopefully Slida High School, and stay tuned for why I think every team is getting better coming up next. Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast with your host Cody Stoffer here on episode 59. And on this second half of the episode, we're going to be talking about what to look forward to, a little bit of predictions, and you know who might come out on top, as well as talking about returning players. And we are going to go in reverse order this time, starting with Salida High School, the Spartans here, and they actually returned both of their quarterbacks from last year in Braden Collins and. Kaven Lake, I believe is how you say that. And so, you know, while their passing stats weren't exactly, they weren't up to par. Let's just put it that way. Lake did provide a little bit of a boost on the rushing side of things. So we'll have to see how that QB battle plays out come this fall and, you know, pay attention to who, you know, who ends up tossing the rock for these guys. But either way, whoever steps in at quarterback, needs to up their game and cut down the turnovers lake did have the five of the eight interceptions however he did rush for a single touchdown and 110 yards last year on 23 carries so who knows if they'll just convert him to full-time running back and try and get Braden a couple more snaps at linebacker at quarterback but either way they need major major progressions from both their quarterbacks They also returned their leading rusher, Brewer Matthews, who ran 36 times for 116 yards and a touchdown last year, as well as their leading receiver, Chase Dieselin and Benjamin Clayton, who was tied with Brewer Matthews in tackles for loss. So they return actually quite a bit of players this next year, and most of them were freshmen or juniors last year. This was a very young team. I assume that this is a major part of why they struggled so much and not graduating that many players really helps them out. So hopefully they develop more chemistry this year. They start to glue a little bit more and this defense takes a step up, especially when you have Benjamin Clayton and Brewer Matthews both returning to get some pressure on the quarterback and make some plays in the backfield and, you know, force, you know, just a little bit of a harder time from some of these teams that walked all over them offensively last year and they also returned Brayden Mar- Martellaro, who had two interceptions this past year so and and was their leading recep uh interceptor as well as Drew Johnson who also collected an interception last year so You know, you have a lot of these young guys who hopefully filled out their frame a little bit. It was hard to find measurements and sizes on a lot of these guys. I couldn't really find any measurements or sizes on their offensive line. So that's still a huge question mark and something that I think matters quite a bit when looking towards this Salida Spartans season. And speaking of looking forward, let's see who they got on tap. They have a very, oh man, they have quite the challenge to start the season against Buena Vista. One of our co-hosts, Simon Villanos, actually made it out to a Buena Vista scrimmage against Manitou Springs and I believe Pagosa, and they were really dominant. They also have one of the top QBs, not just in 2A, but in the state at Buena Vista and Hayden Camp. So, you know, if, if this team comes in and knocks the door down from the Spartans, this might be another long year because they still have quite the competition this year. Because right after that, they have Delta, who they lost to last year. Now, Delta is losing, or I should say graduating, Nolan Bynum. So they might take a step backwards on offense. But they also had some other guys take snaps on the offensive side of the ball at the QB position for Delta because Bynum was dealing with some injury issues. And I think Delta overall probably has a little bit more of a talent pool to collect from. So that could be a tough game. Manitou Springs, who is the defending 2A Spring champions. So that's going to be tough. It depends on if Manitou gets some basketball guys to play that's kind of what their success hinges on almost every year but Manitou should still be more talented than this Salida team then they face off against then then they are almost into league play but then they face La Junta who you know kind of had a little bit of a down year last year but overall they're a pretty competitive team and they put it to Salida last year and I don't really know why they wouldn't put it to Salida this year then they go against Bayfield who I will talk about here later in the segment and I think that they're actually a surging team in this to a south southwest conference league so I don't know if that's a winnable game they got pieced up by Woodland Park Pagosa Springs is still probably the favorite to win this league Alamosa I think is another team that takes huge huge steps and Montezuma Cortez to end the season I gotta be honest off of the way they played last year and some of the guys that they have this year it's not looking good it is not looking good for salita high school it's been i want to say a couple of years since they found pretty consistent success i think the last time that they had a winning record was in 2018 which obviously you don't have i don't think any players left over from that year where they went 9-2 and, and, you know, ended up losing to La Hunta in the playoffs in the second round. So it's been a minute since they've been good, and I don't know if the reeling stops. It depends on the freshman class that they have coming in, or if these younger guys start to mesh a little bit better and build off of some things that went positive last year. But overall, I would rate Salida High School as not a contender, I'm hoping that Collins takes a step forward at QB and Lake you know, gets to prove his worth as well as Brewer Matthews. Maybe they can get a one-two punch going or maybe a little RPO action with Chase Dieselin. I'm pretty sure he's like six foot two at receiver. So you have some guys who can take steps forward and then you have Benjamin and Brewer on the defensive side of the ball who hopefully can force some pressures and at least keep Salida in some of these games. But overall uh i just don't know about them i mean shoot i hate to say this but even winning one game might be really tough for this salida team unless they were able to sneak one of these league games away or maybe two best case scenario i really don't have anything else to add to salida high school so now i'm going to Continuing climbing the ladder and talk about Pagosa Springs, the defending Southwest Conference champions. And honestly, I, they are losing quite a bit of talent. Keep in mind losing their quarterback one and Dylan Tressler. I think that's going to be something really hard to recover from as well as Mitch Lewis, but they have a little bit of size on this line. They have a Quinton Blankenship who's 5'11", 230. They have Skylar Hill who's 6'1", 230 pounds. And they are returning quite the stud on the defensive side of the ball in Aaron Alcoin, I believe he's related to Grant Alcoin, who led them in tackles as well as interceptions. So, you know, they have some things going for them, but this schedule doesn't exactly help them, in my opinion. I think a lot of teams in this Southwest Conference are taking steps forward and not necessarily backward or faced off against some good talent. I think that there might be a complete turnaround in this league this year and part of that is because i don't know if pagosa springs will be able to recover from the amount of talent that they're losing and kind of the familiarity that other teams are having but looking ahead let's check out their schedule they do face off against durango to start the season and i think that while that's good for rpi i think durango takes care of business against pagosa springs durango they are the defending 3a champs and while they are losing the 3a player of the year and jordan wolverton they are gaining that in just absolute size on the offensive and defensive lines. I think guys like Joshua Bates are going to be a huge part of this win for Durango. That you know, if you're Pagosa, I don't really know why you schedule this game straight out the get-go. If they come out and they put up a good fight against Durango, I think that's a good case for them to win this conference. But if you come out against Durango and get like 40 pieced here, it's definitely not a conference bo- uh, confidence booster heading into Ojota the next week. And then a Centauri, the league after that, who is one of my contenders for, you know, the 1A level. I think that even though this is a 1A team, I think that Centauri is probably another loss for Pagosa Springs because they have one of the best players in the state of Colorado in that backfield. And so they might be looking at a 1-2 and two record heading into this Kirtland Central game. Now, I'm not as familiar with New Mexico teams, but it looks like they've already started off and one against silver from what I could tell and last year they weren't I mean they they weren't the worst team last year but they weren't the best team if that makes sense uh going three and two in their few games last year so that may be a good game to look at and I think that this is a potential winnable game for Pagosa Springs so you might be two and two heading into league play where they have to go to Alamosa play Montezuma Cortez at home, go to Salida, Salida, I mean, then you face off against TCA and I absolutely think that they get smashed in this game. TCA is one of the contenders for 2A football and I don't put Pagosa Springs in that same conversation. I think TCA probably 30 pieces Pagosa Springs before they end the season against Bayfield. And, you know, I think that they probably lose one or two of these league games. So... Uh, i mean at best i think pagosa springs probably wins one two three four maybe five of these games and then loses the other three i want to say or four so this could be a 500 team and they might barely sneak into the playoffs just due to rpi on the durango and centauri games but facing a 1a school isn't the best look especially if you lose to a 1a school And I don't think that they just clean house against their conference this year. I'm looking at uh, Montezuma Cortez to, you know, take some of that experience they had against 3A and kind of throw it back at Pagosa Springs, or I see an Alamosa high school taking a big stride this year. I will continue to elaborate on that, but Pagosa Springs, they are a potential contender just based off of their recent history and success and ways to find success. However, I am not convinced on them winning the Southwest League 100%. However, I'm not holding anything against them, but I would, and I would love to be proven wrong, much like I think how Montezuma Cortez High School is going to prove people wrong this year. Now, I know I talked about how they lost their QB1 in Ty Blackmer, which is a very, very hard player to lose, and they're losing their running back one and they're losing their wide receiver one and it's really hard to find a lot of stats on montezuma and cortez and i don't think they had any defensive stats recorded so that's still a little bit of a question mark but i think that they held their own pretty well against the 3a schedule that they had last year and i think that they were fairly competitive if i'm being completely honest with you but i think their strongest case has got to be what they have on the offensive line now, I think that they have an offensive line that sizes up pretty well, even up to the 3A level, such as their Hunter Goodall, who is 5'11, 200 pounds, Kaden Nelson, 5'10, 200 pounds, Miles Frost, 6'2, 220, Alec Manuel Jr., who's 6'3, 260, and Juan Garcia, 5'8, 230. Those are just some of the sizes and weights. And, you know, they can sport a 200-plus-pound line, and in this league that is very good uh looking at some of the sizes of some of the other schools so i really like that for montezuma cortez i think that whoever is behind them is going to have plenty of time to pass or run the ball and i think that they have a pretty favorable schedule if i'm being completely honest other than they do start off this friday 8-27 against aztec who is a 4a new mexico high school i don't know why that was so hard to say they do start off against a four A team, so that may be tough. And, but it looks like finding competition is pretty hard uh, on this side of the two A bracket. You know, after that, they faced off against Cedar Ridge Bruins, who had a so so season last year. And you know, I think that that is a pretty winnable game for this uh, Montezuma Cortez High School here. I think that that's a winnable game. So they might start off one and one. They go against Delta, that could be a tough game. But even if you go one and two down that stretch, they do face an eight man team in Mancos. So I think that they definitely go two and two here before almost getting into league play. They do face Manitou Springs. And I even think that that's a winnable game because they don't have a lot of size. So unless they have a mismatch on the outsides against Montezuma, they might struggle and you know, it it could be a really close game here but let's say Manitou wins and then you head into league play against Pagosa, Alamosa, Bayfield, and Salida you win two of those games I say and you may drop two of those games but if you can exit this stretch if you can beat Pagosa Springs and then steal a win from a Bayfield or Alamosa and then obviously end with a win against Salida you're not in the worst spot having lost one to let's say three games you go five and three here or you know uh, five and four eh, you could maybe sneak into the playoffs so montezuma cortez i basically their biggest selling point for me is this offensive line size where they are just a lot bigger and they have a lot more depth i would say than some of the other high schools in this conference i am not willing to call them the winners of this quite yet but I do significantly like their chances to maybe even finish like six and three or something along those lines with their out of state games. And with some of the easier ones that hopefully they use to boost the confidence of some of the younger guys that they're getting in to this program. So that is how I feel about Montezuma Cortez, a potential contender uh, on a similar plane or tier, I would say as Pagosa Springs, but you know it could go either way it depends on how these teams i think it all comes down to league play for any of these teams to contend for the southwest conference whoever leaves league play going three and one is going to represent this this league in the playoffs and is going to have a pretty good feeling heading into the playoffs i would say maybe even come out with a first round win but anyways let's talk about bayfield high school home of the Wolverines in Bayfield, Colorado, and how they might do this was originally requested by one of their players, the slot receiver, Donovan Candelaria, who I think also has a sibling on the team. And, you know, it looks like he's playing slot receiver as well as linebacker and maybe a little bit of D-line even. But this was requested by him. I can't wait to do probably a focus episode of doing breakdowns of most of these players here at Bayfield. Just make sure that y'all get film and you send probably at least four minutes of film into me. And I'm gonna talk about some of the players that he did recommend watching film on. And that includes Kale Schaefer, who was one of their running backs last year slash wingbacks. And I think that he's primed to have a pretty good season. Kale Schaefer, he is an electric athlete. He's pretty quick and he has excellent acceleration. And I think that, you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to put up quite a few yards and just be a weapon overall for this Bayfield offense, you know, and this Bayfield offense also boasts, you know, some of the speed of Deegan Barnes as well, who I think should play both ways. In my opinion, he's a pretty decent defensive back who's not afraid to come up and play the run game and is quick enough to hang with some of those faster wide receivers in 2A. And I was also recommended to check out Kobe Pryor, who you know may take some snaps at running back he has pretty decent size but it looks like on his film he was also kind of an alignment so he may step up and take the lead for you know some of the alignment that they did lose last year i don't know if he quite has the size but we'll definitely look into that and see how he does another thing to be excited about is well to clarify they are returning their quarterback from last year isaac ross however He did throw more interceptions than touchdowns. So, and losing the leading receiver in Crosby Edwards definitely hurts as well as Cade Carlson was leading back, but they do have this incoming freshman who I think could push Isaac for a starting spot watching some of his film and he did request, you know, to be broken down. So I will still get to that. Noah Martin, we haven't forgotten about you here at Playmakers Corner. But you know, we might wait till we have some high school film to look at, and we'd love to see how your first year goes. It does look like he moved here from Texas, and from the film that I did see of him in middle school, you know, he's not afraid to really zip it into those tight win- tight windows to some reliable hands at wide receiver, but is also able to kind of you know push and stretch the field, hitting a lot of those comeback routes and a lot of those deep routes. I think that's a good testament to the arm strength and the velocity that Noah Martin has, and. Anything is possible when you bring in an exciting new quarterback. Maybe you can use Isaac Ross's athletic abilities elsewhere on the field, and that might make the team a little bit better if Noah is ready to take command. But, you know, Noah, it looks like he played some Texas football, and it's completely different out there in Texas. And maybe he could bring that dog mentality to this Bayfield team and change the culture over here at Bayfield to being someone who can contend for this Southwest Conference. And some of the guys that I could find blocking for Noah here and Kale Schaefer looks like, you know, potentially a Kobe Pryor, but they also have a Ben Morris being six foot, 190 pounds. He might be able to flex into that tackle position so long as, you know, his footwork is there and he keeps those pads low. Or James Floyd, who's six foot, 230 pounds. I'm just really excited about the young talent that they have coming in here. Donovan Candelaria also, you know, being, a athletic dude in and of himself i'd love to break down his film as well and just do a spotlight on bayfield you know maybe after the season is over and after they have plenty of film to send in so shout out to my supporters over there at bayfield and playmakers corner appreciates you and we love to see you light it up and try and take this southwest conference by surprise here y'all do have a pretty difficult schedule i will say you do face off against San Juan, who is a team from Utah, and it looks like they're already one and one. So they've started the season a lot sooner than we have. Uh, So they have a couple games under their belt and they're coming and they're gonna be ready. So, well, I mean, I guess you have to travel to Utah. So that's a tough out of state game to start off against. Then you will be playing against Inglewood. At least Inglewood is driving to you, but Inglewood is no joke. They have a bunch of talent at skill positions over there. And I'm familiar with the kind of program that coach Mike Campbell runs. And I know that, you know, they're going to want to run the wall, run the ball pretty hard and y'all better be ready on defense for, you know, those whip routes and those arrow routes, because they are pretty money and really hard to guard if you don't have the speed. So this could be a really big game here for Deegan Barnes to kind of uh, make a name for himself. Just don't get caught lacking and don't get too greedy because they do have that out and up play that has torched multiple greedy cornerbacks in the past so be on the lookout for that they also face Aztec who I kind of talked about in the Montezuma Cortez segment who is a 4A team in New Mexico then after that they face Centauri so you gotta win one of these games Bayfield if you want to even have a chance to contend for the Southwest here heading into league play other than La Junta if you leave this going 2-2 your chances for Winning this league, probably jump over 50%. But if you're heading in one and three, at least you have Salida to look forward towards to start league play. You could definitely win this game. I say the Alamosa game is another winnable game, is how I'll put it. Lahanta, they're gonna wanna play you tough. And I think that they kind of lick their chops when they see a really young roster with lots of uh, inexperienced players, especially at quarterback. So this is a potential game that I see them losing montezuma cortez this one could go either way i think that bayfield probably has the edge here in skill position players but it doesn't matter if their offensive line is getting pushed back on every single play if these montezuma boys kind of go both ways then you end the season against pagosa springs so let's let's talk best and worst case scenarios here let's say worst case scenario you head into salida 0 four and then you beat salida you probably also lose to alamosa and lahanta and Cortez and Springs and you go you win one whole game all year but let's err on the side of optimism let's say you steal a win from this San Juan team you steal a win against Inglewood when they come into your home turf and you get a win against uh, Aztec because I don't I just don't see you beating Centauri so you go three and one heading into league play I'd say that's something to be very confident and proud of you beat Salida you beat Alamosa boom just like that you're five and one Maybe you drop this game to La Junta, in my opinion, so you're 5-2. I think you beat Cortez. If you head into this Pagosa Springs game at 6-2, that's a Southwest title in hand, in my opinion. So there's a huge room for variance here on that Bayfield schedule. I understand that. But that is just because of the inexperience and the lack of high school football that some of these boys have played but I do obviously wish them the best of success. Once again, shout out to Donovan for, you know, making sure to get Bayfield here on the map. And please make sure that y'all send in requests with your high school film, send in your high school film at the end of the season. I personally will do a request episode on that and do a program spotlight, talk about how that season went and looking forward to the future. Now, last, but certainly not least, Is Alamosa High School, and I am actually super high on these fellas. I think that they could potentially win this Southwest League. They're actually probably my pick to win this Southwest League, in my opinion. They do have a pretty tough schedule, I will say. Okay, actually, everyone in this South. Okay, look, basically, what I'm trying to say is this Southwest League isn't going to win state by any means, but out of the teams in the southwest i love what alamosa here is returning they have some of the top leaders from last year coming back and i think that you know they could dominate in league play not gonna lie i think they could dominate in league play so let's talk about alamosa and who they are returning they are returning junior quarterback casey jones needs to work on this completion percentage. i gotta be honest with you brother 43% is abysmal. Start getting the ball in your teammates' hands because when you do, man, you throw for a lot of touchdowns. Six TDs to only one interception and almost 700 yards with a 43% completion percentage. Up that to 50%. That's probably another 100, 150 yards on that resume of yours. And that's probably a couple more win games and a, a couple more touchdowns as well. So whether it's you not getting the ball to him properly or whether it's the receivers dropping the ball, that needs to be cleared up. And, you know, it, it hurts losing Kane for sure. But, you know, I think that there's, there's still a lot of talent here. You're bringing back your top two receivers in Cade Jones, who caught 18 passes for 273 yards, and Hayden Shawcroft, who caught 15 passes for 165 yards and one TD. Y'all need to make sure that you catch that ball and get upfield. Make sure to always spin away from the defense. Don't spin in towards the field where you're going to run into a lot of traffic. Get that yak going, yak, yak, yak. 1v1 some of these cornerbacks and go make some plays down the sidelines because they're also going to be scared of or should be probably most scared of their running back who's returning Dante Gonzalez Jr. He toted the rock 65 times for 502 yards and six touchdowns last year. Not only, not only do they have all this talent on offense returning, but they also have leading tackler Damian Orozco returning who had 19 tackles for loss, five sacks, and 41 tackles last year. Just an absolute dog for this Alamosa team, or should I say this absolute mean moose for this team. And, you know, he has good size. He's 6'3", 180 pounds, and he's here to make quite a few plays. I don't know if I even mentioned this, but... Hayden over at wide receiver is 6'3 200 pounds so go up and moss somebody Kade Jones is another 6'3 target you got a lot of big bodies you have Casey Jones here who already showed that he could complete you know 43% of his passes to Kade and Hayden here and score quite a few touchdowns so get it done on the offensive side of the ball and Damian here is going to be a terror to these quarterbacks on the 2A level in my opinion and You know, you also get back seven of your top 10 tacklers. I know losing Cash and Kane kind of hurts because they were two of the top three, but it looks like this defense should have a lot of chemistry heading into this season. And, you know, they are also returning everyone who had interceptions last year, including a defensive back in Brant Jackson, who as a freshman had two interceptions. So this was a very young team last year. Lots of freshmen, lots of sophomores. And, you know, they have a year of experience under their belt. And this offensive line, it's not the biggest in this in this league, and I'll admit that. But they do have some decent size. They have a blade absmere who I believe is related to Kane. I I don't know that many, and I'm probably butchering last name. So if y'all want to, please, and that this goes for anyone on this show, please make sure that you reach out to us. We'd love to have you for some interviews sometime. But anyways, and correct me on how I'm saying y'all's names, because I know I'm not doing the best job. But anyways. You have Blade here, who looks like he's been a varsity starter for at least a year. It was hard to tell because he didn't have it listed, so I kind of had to eyeball it on his film. It looks like he may weigh between 180 and a little over 190, but that was his most recent film. So hopefully, over the offseason, if he got up to 200 pounds and could play that tackle position, maybe even 210, that would be massive for this Alamosa team. Then you also have their center in Marcus, who's six foot, 186, bit on the smaller side, but most centers are. You have a Javier Gonzalez, who got some snaps in for them last year. And you also have a Mikey Trujillo, who is 6'2, 205, and DJ uh Jarmilo, who is 5'6, 265 pounds. One of the biggest offensive linemen, if not the biggest offensive lineman in this 2A Southwest conference. And I think that these offensive linemen are gonna try and write a completely different story here for this Alamosa football team. Now Let's take a look at their schedule. They're not going to go undefeated. I'm telling you that right now because they start off the season against TCA. I think that TCA is going to wipe the floor with this Alamosa Mean moose team. And we're going to see the mental toughness of these young players as they bounce back and try and play a Monte Vista, who is a 1A team. They were a pretty successful team, but it's one of those things where it's like, who did you beat last year? No, they went five and three, but they lose to Colorado Springs Christian 40 to eight. They lose to a Centauri team 48 to zero. Or I guess five and two last year and they beat these nobodies really bad and then they get wiped by the by the good teams in 1A so that is something to keep an eye on I think that's a winnable game against Montevista. Vista I think they have another winnable game against La Junta here so you know if they go two and one heading into this Manitou Springs game here I really like their odds of maybe not winning this game but pitching a really close game going two and two maybe even You know what? Screw it. I'm going to say that they pull off an upset against Manitou Springs and they're filling themselves, heading into league play, going three and one. And, you know, I say they upset a Pagosa Springs. They probably beat this Bayfield team. They probably beat this Montezuma Cortez team and they probably beat Salida. And they only have one or two losses in tow heading into the last game of the season against Lamar, who lost quite a bit of talent from last year, but they're well coached. They got some big boys up front. Lamar game will be close. they probably lose this. But, you know, I really like the idea of Alamosa being the 2A Southwest League champs. Obviously, if any of these other teams do prove me wrong and end up taking that crown for themselves, I have no hostility towards that. I actually congratulate that. But go out there, prove me right Alamosa. Casey, complete more passes. Wide outs, make plays. Defense, stop it. Um, stop the opposing offense because y'all got kind of schmooved over by every team you played last year. So the defense is going to have to have a lot to say about this, or the offense has to be ready to participate in a lot of shootouts. And I hope that the Mean Moose are ready for that. And that concludes my 2A Southwest recap and preview. I obviously wish every team in this league the absolute best, and I would love to have some of y'all on the show talk to me about some things that I can't see because, well... I gotta be honest, Colorado and Max Preps is pretty bad about covering 2A football, so there's probably a lot of details that I just have no clue about, and shout out to Donovan Candelaria for kind of filling in some gaps that I personally didn't know to look for heading into researching for this, and thank you for requesting y'all selves, and, you know, kudos to whoever wins this Southwest Conference. Good luck against the rest of 2A, which is episode, episode 54 to see who... Simon and I think is going to win it all and some of the top contenders in 2A football. We are also going to be releasing our 5A episode on Friday, so please stay tuned. Thank you for rocking with us. Please feel free to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for all of our socials. You can listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So make sure to subscribe to those sites so that you get notifications for all of our new episodes and more of these conference previews, probably, as well as some reactions to games that we will be attending. And as always, if you have an athlete to request or request yourself, please make sure to send in a sufficient amount of film, your size and weight if it is not listed anywhere, what high school you play for and position as well as your name. Until then, I have been your host, Cody Stoffer, and have a good one.